Hello everyone, I'm Robin Pearson from the History of Byzantium podcast. As you will learn during your Pontifact's journey, relations with Constantinople were a major part of the life of many popes. If you're starting to wonder what all the fuss was about, then check out my show. I mean, was this new Rome just a poor shadow of the Eternal City? Or was it a city of wonders unrivaled in the Christian world, whose people lived the most amazing dramatic story that you've never heard before? I mean, if I was you, I would want to find out. Search The History of Byzantium wherever you get your podcasts, or visit thehistoryofbyzantium.com and let some nice pictures lure you in. For now, though, back to Brian Fry. Hello, and welcome to Pontifex. I'm Fry. And I'm Brie, ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. And this is episode 77, Pope Eugene the First. Eugene. Just a real simple name there. Just a real simple name. We got Martin and Theodore and Eugene. We got some old people. We're in the Byzantines, man. We're in the Byzantines, for sure. Now, before we get into Pope Eugene, we have to go to confessional. It's been a while. Yeah, I suppose we do. Forgive us, listeners, for we have sinned. It has been 37 episodes since our last confession, which happened to be Pope Sericius's episode, by the way. This is our correction here. In a previous episode, we were discussing Ireland, and I offhandedly said something in vague reference to that whole UK region. And Ireland is not a part of that, aside from Northern Ireland, and we wanted to make sure that even though it was said as kind of a, oh, whatever, while we were recording, very depleted and sleep-deprived. I don't think we recorded that one sleep-deprived. I think we QC'd that one sleep-deprived, but... Oh, no, no, no. That was definitely one that we recorded on the fly in a hurry to get it out as soon as possible. Fair. And it was like, we recorded it an hour after I dropped Ridley off at the hospital. That's right. Brain was not in a great place, and we're making sure that we accurately reflect what we say. So we've actually, at the point, we've edited that out of the episode. But if you heard it, we are making our confessional. And Thank you to William and to Ben for reaching out and keeping us honest. They were so nice about it. Very, very nice about it, because I know that that is somewhat sensitive. We will do our Hail Mary's confession over. So Eugene, or Eugenius. Eugenius. I feel like that's just too good not to say. One of my World of Warcraft friends was Eugenides. It's terrible. I named all of my World of Warcraft characters always after Harry Potter spells. So I had like Sectumsempra and Alohomora and Mordsmord. I'm that nerd. Anyways, Eugenius was born in the Aventine region of Rome, and his father was called Rufianus. Sources about his early life are very scant, but we know that he joined the church quite young and held, quote-unquote, various positions in the church during which he gained a reputation, according to the Liber Pontificalis, of being kind, mild, meek, courteous to all, and of remarkable holiness. And so Eugene was being holy and meek when in June of 653, Pope Martin was apprehended and dragged to Constantinople for trial, torture, 
exile, and eventually death by order of the emperor, Constance II. Ah, yes. And although he had been arrested, the Exarch of Ravenna had declared that Martin was deposed and demanded that the church choose a new pope. And the church went, "Mm, maybe we're going to wait on that a little bit. Maybe our pope will win his freedom and return. And so for over a year after the arrest of Pope Martin, the church handled Martin's absence with an administrative council, which historians believe was comprised of probably the archpriest, the archdeacon, and an archnotary called a primasarius. But as the year went on, imperial pressure to select a new pope intensified, and news came through from Constantinople about the condition and the treatment of Pope Martin, making it very clear to the Church of Rome that he was not surviving to come home. And so an election was held on August 10th of 654, and Eugene was elected to be the next pope and confirmed pretty much immediately by the exarch. It's somewhat unclear if he was chosen freely by the clergy of Rome, or whether this imperial pressure also came with a choose this meek man who won't do anything. But we could probably guess that that's what's happening here. Hey, we've picked up this obscure, meek, mild-mannered dude that everyone seems to like. Make him pope because we said so. Now, it is fair. Considering what's going on, this would not be surprising at all. Now, as a side note, since Martin never abdicated, and the deposition of the pope by the emperor was considered invalid, and Martin was still alive at the time of this election, Eugene is technically elected as an anti-pope. Oh no. Sort of. He's not going to get an anti-pope episode, though, because like Boniface II, when the legitimate pope died, Eugene was just universally accepted as the legitimate pope. No one was going, ah, that's the illegitimately elected guy that we were forced to make, let's do another one. They just kind of accepted him. And even more bolstering, a letter arrived in Rome in September of 655, just before Pope Martin died, from Pope Martin, recognizing Eugene as the new pope. So even though Martin never abdicated and refused to abdicate his position, Eugene still had Martin's blessing. And this made the whole process much easier. But... If the Emperor and the Exarch thought that they had found a puppet in Meek Eugene, they were going to be sorely mistaken. Because as soon as he became Pope, Eugene took up defending Martin's cause and defending the canons of the Council of the Lateran that we talked about last week, and actively, avidly, and loudly denounced monothelitism. He wrote a letter to the Emperor and sent it to Constantinople with new papal legates. And in the letter, Eugene announced that he had been elected to the papacy, and he provided Constance with a full confession of his faith and his commitment to the anti-monothelite, diothelite orthodoxy. But unfortunately, while the legates were in Constantinople, the legates were somehow convinced, either by coercion or bribery, to return to the Pope in 656 with an imperial envoy, and deliver a synodal letter from Peter, the new patriarch of Constantinople, and a letter from the emperor requesting that the pope re-enter communion with the patriarch, along with a bunch of 
offerings for St. Peter. They're trying to bribe him to be like, let it go. The letter that was sent from the Patriarch of Constantinople, this Peter, it's deliberately obtuse. And it's written in a way that doesn't clearly declare either a monothelite or a diothelite position and could be interpreted by the will of the reader. So they're basically trying to say, look, if you accept this letter and take this guy into communion, we will keep it vague. And we can all just live in that gray area. In the gray mono or duo? No. Well, that's how Eugene felt, too. He was not about that gray mono duo area. It's one and a half. One and a half wills of Christ. Has anybody tried that one? Should we start a new heresy? No, we're going to get excommunicated. Don't do that. <laughs> the one and a half wills of Christ. What would you call that? Mono semi <laughs> God, that's too much of a mouthful. Mono medifilitism? <laughs> Eugene held a public reading of the letter in Santa Maria Maggiore, where the clergy emphatically rejected the content of the letter and seriously urged the Pope to ensure that it was rejected on all counts. Don't do this vagary thing. It got to the point where historian Horace Mann suggested that they wouldn't even allow the Pope to leave the Basilica when they read this letter until they were assured by him that he had no intention of accepting the letter or the patriarch to communion. So, the Pope sends a rejection. And when the Pope's rejection is brought back to the emperor and the patriarch, they were so angry that they literally threatened to roast him. Roast him? Not like a Comedy Central roast, like a legitimate roast? Yes, I have a quote for you. Know, Lord Abbot, that when we get a little rest from this rout of heathens by the Holy Trinity, we will treat as we are treating you, the Pope who is now lifted up, and the rest of your disciples. And we will roast you all, each in his own place, as Pope Martin has been roasted. Yeah, I mean, it could be like a Comedy Central roast where they sit him down and they're like, your face is so ugly, it makes children cry. As Pope Martin has been roasted, though. Remember, they, like, beat this man and stripped him down in the streets. That's not really a roasting, though. <laughs> well, they did want people to yell anathema on him. Is that, like, old-school roasting? Oh, you know what? You're such a heretic man that I yelled anathema at you. So it's very fortunate for Pope Eugene that the emperor becomes very, very distracted by the invasion of Rhodes by the Muslims, and a subsequent battle at Phonike that he would lose to the rout of heathens that he mentioned in that letter. So he sends this letter threatening to roast the Pope, and then he starts losing in battle. So Eugene has time to actually be Pope for a while and not worry about being roasted. This is where we're going to take a pause from the Emperor's looming threat for a moment for a short detour, because historians now generally agree that Eugene was the Pope who would have met St. Wilfrid, a famous English Bishop of York and a saint who would speak at the famous Synod of Whitby in 664. This is an English saint, and at the time, St. Wilfrid would have been in his early 20s, and on his first visit to Rome, generally thought to have happened in 654. 
According to Bede, he had come to learn the ecclesiastical and monastic rites in use in Rome, and that while he was there, he became close with an archdeacon called Boniface, who, quote, was also the counselor of the apostolic pope, who taught him in their order the four gospels and the true computation of Easter and many other things appertaining to the ecclesiastical discipline, which he could not learn in his own country and he acquiesced from the teaching of that same master. Boniface also introduced Wilfred to the Pope, and Eugene, quote, placed a blessed hand on the head of the youthful servant of God, prayed for him, and blessed him. Now, this is a very famous saint, St. Wilfred of York, and he will be coming back into our story again. So we mention him here on his nice visit to Rome, while everything's nice and good, because he will be coming back. So now, before the emperor could return after the end of the battle and carry out further papal violence, Pope Eugene died. Oh, what? It's, we're, what, we're 15 minutes into this thing. I know, I told you it was going to be a short one. I wasn't kidding. So he died on June 2nd of 657. He was buried in Old St. Peter's, destroyed for New St. Peter's, and there is no epitaph that survives for him. Wendy J. Reardon adds, though, that upon his death, Eugene bequeathed all that he owned to the people of Rome. So that's nice. But yeah, that's the whole of it. Okay. We are going to rate meek and gentle Pope Eugene. Papatum infallium. He was considered to be a, a pope who was going to be a puppet. They thought he was going to be very easy to control. And instead, he immediately defends the canons of Pope Martin and the condemnation of monophyletism. He continues to defend Martin right up to his death. And even when he knows what fate has befallen Martin, he continues to fight the whole time. And he knows that he is only narrowly escaping a similar fate at this point. He definitely had the respect of his clergy for committing to generosity and giving. The Liber Pontificalis says of him, he gave the customary stipend to the clergy and supplied alms to the needy, so that he ordered the full priestly allowances to be distributed to the poor, the clergy, and the household, even on the day that he passed away. So he was very committed to giving, and also he ordained 21 bishops. Some things. Some things. And he met St. Wilfred, who definitely will be back more than once. I mean, it's worth a point or two. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just the one. He could have just been like, yeah, look, they just dragged the last pope away, tortured him for almost two years, and then he died. I could just be a puppet. I could just do whatever they say I should do. That's true. And he didn't. They threatened to roast the man. Gilford Godfrey was there. I'm going to give him a two. Okay. If you want to give him a one, you can, but I think it's worth a little more. I'm going to stick with this one. It's really more of a 1.5, but we can't have that because we'll get excommunicated. <laughs> you can't have your mono midi point deletism. Okay, so he'll get a three in that category. I think that's fair. Fructus prohibitum. Nothing. Not much. Just 
Empty space. He made the emperor mad, but that's not really worth the point. Seculari impactum. He made the emperor mad. There's not a whole lot to say here, really. He he existed in that time period. He tried to do his best. He tried to defend what the Pope had done, but he just doesn't have a lot of hold a lot of time to do anything. And he's probably worried the whole time that he's about to be roasted, so Yeah. It's it's gotta be like a zero. Fossium sanctus. Let's see if he can rack up some points here with his face. My guess is probably not. No. What's happening on that side of his face? <laughs> it does kind of look like the one side of his face is melting. His eyes are extremely close together. They are. And, and like, he has got under eye bags for days. Like, I'm an insomniac and I call myself a panda and, ooh, he's got me beat. He looks like he's wearing those uh droopy motorcycle sunglasses. <laughs> Aviators? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. His dark under eye circles are so bad that they look like sunglasses. <laughs> Maybe he is worth a couple points in this category because he the other side is melting. He needs to put on some aviators. Well, maybe he was wearing aviators, and he was on a motorcycle, and he crashed out, and that side landed on the pavement. <laughs> it looks like he got roasted. Why didn't I even put that together? I'm literally saying the words roasted and melted, and we're still ill. And this is where we cut out the coughing fit we just had. <laughs> yes, we are both still ill. But he does look melted. He does look roasted. Is it worth a point or two? No, it's awful. Gosh. You can rate the bad ones really well, though, because they're interesting to look at. I don't want to see him again. He will be in my nightmares. What would you like to score him, then? A big old goose egg. You're going to give him a zero? Egg that goose. Oh, poor Eugene. I'm, I'm not going to give him a zero. I think the melty face is interesting, and so I'm going to give him a 3, which will give him a 0.75 in this category, which is good, because, like, dude, this can't be our worst scoring Pope. <laughs> I mean, can't it? Um, According to Wikipedia, oh, The Jesus. Secret is a best-selling 2006 book by Ron What are you doing, phone? Film of the same name. I, it just told me The Secret! <laughs> I didn't, I don't even think I said the word secret phone. You know, the secret book? Yeah, where you manifest your dreams. <laughs> My phone was out of reach. I had not touched it. Like it's sitting over there with my credit card where I left it for the dog lady. Wow. You didn't say Google or anything. I did not. What? I don't know what just happened there. I feel like Pope Eugene's coming back to smite us if we make him our lowest scoring Pope. He's going to tell us the secret. <laughs> what a threat. Uh, there's also one more image for you to look at. But um, the ghost of my cell phone scared the living hell out of me. So there you go. And that doesn't look anything like the other man. That's Colin Mockery with a beard. That's Colin Mockery trying to be Russian. Yes. So it's something. I mean, they're not very good, but I, I still have to show you them for flavor. that in your background <laughs> vroom vroom they got a small penis oh jeez it sounded like a ghost from this <laughs> end it sounded like <laughs> it's a literal ghost 
<laughs> we're gonna get killed like Pope Sabinian. We're gonna get roasted. The ghost Pope is coming back to roast us. <laughs> It's because we talked about the one and a half natures and wills and energies of Christ. Can't have that. So, um, yeah, he got he got a 0. 0.75 in this category. So there's that. Uh, but he's haunting us, so are you sure you don't want to give him a point? <laughs> no. Tempus Pontificus. August 10th, 654 to June 2nd of 657. Three years and another score of 0. 0.75. All right, everybody, it's the canon bonus round! Do, 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 do. Yes! Ooh! He's a saint, and that's probably gonna save him from being our lowest scored pope, because he is a saint. His feast day is June 2nd. However, according to Wendy J. Reardon and the Oxford Dictionary of Popes, he doesn't appear in the Roman martyrology until the 16th century, when he was added by church historian the Venerable Cardinal. Cesare Baronius. He is not a patron saint, but he is the patron saint of a French immersion Catholic elementary school in Hamilton, Ontario called St. Eugene Catholic Elementary School. And I went to their website and found it and they like talk about this, this specific Pope man as their patron of the school. So we can still make him the patron saint of something. Okay, um, it's either gotta be Comedy Central Roasts or Ghosts or possibly both. I think Comedy Central Roasts is a good one because they, they did threaten him with one. <laughs> they sure did. Maybe he's invoked against Comedy Central Roasts. If you don't want to be roasted, you can invoke Pope Eugene. Did they stop making those? I mean, I hope so. They were terrible. The last one I heard about was roasting, like, Justin Bieber. Oh, Justin Bieber? I think the last one I even heard about was the Rob Lowe one. They roasted Rob Lowe? They sure did. It seems too easy. And it was mostly them making fun of him having... Yeah, that whole sex tape thing. Mm-hmm. That's not funny. It's not. Not about that. So now we come back to his total score, which is a... 5.5, putting him in 74th place, which is not last because Pope Sabinian scored less than him. And Pope Sabinian was the worst. Like, the literal worst. And Eugene was like a good guy fighting for theology, and he just didn't have a whole lot of time to do anything because he was constantly under threat. But you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. And I can ask you our final question. Do you think he's papal enough and pizzazzy enough for a papal bull? Do you think he'll, like, break something in my house if I say no? Okay, well, he's already set off my phone and had the ghost come through the recorder, <laughs> so do you want to take this in your own hands, Fry? This is... <laughs> How haunted do you want to be? I don't know. He's gonna come and he's gonna, like, haunt you at night. You're gonna be laying there. You're gonna see his melty face. Let's give it to him. You want to give it to him just to save us? Yes. Well, you know what? I think we have to dice roll for it again, because I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. Should we give it to him? Are the ghosts going to come for you? I don't want the ghost to come for me, so he's going to get it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to put a note in here that we gave it to him to save our immortal souls. <laughs> Papal bull because we don't want to be haunted. <laughs>
Okay, well, that is a first. Uh, congratulations, Pope Eugene. One of our lowest scoring popes, but it shows that if you have the papal impact enough, anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully everything's settled down now and he doesn't come back to haunt us because we, we gave it to you, Eugene. And I swear, if I start getting haunted and see your melting face floating above me, I will take it away. <laughs> we have that power. Posthumously revoke, revoke his papal bull. But you know what? That's fine. We got to have a wild card in there or whatnot. So, yeah. So that's the end of Eugene. That did not go the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> Just goes to show. All the preparation in the world only means so much. So on that note, we will say thank you. Thank you to our greatest inspirations, Totalis, Rankium, and Rex Factor. Thank you to all of our listeners. And hey, if you're one of the people who are leaving us reviews because we talked about our one-star reviews, you're the freaking best. Yeah, you're great. That's awesome. We the The reviews make a huge difference. It's ridiculous how visible or invisible you can be because of a good or a bad review. So the more of you giving us wonderful reviews is so awesome. Thank you so much. And with that, thank you and goodbye. Bye! Ooh, spooky! <laughs>